I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for tuning in again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I want to talk about some of the basic ideas of uh, the Nazi political system, which very often get obscured to us by the overwhelming and overbearing kind of figure of the Fuhrer, and also various kind of mythologies and mythologizations that exist uh, about Nazism. Uh, the, the Nazi political system is complicated. Because, obviously, before January 1933, there is a pre-existing political system which Hitler uh, firstly uh, enters as um, an insecure dictator with only a couple of Nazi uh, colleagues in an otherwise conservative cabinet. And he then attempts to subvert various aspects of this system, which in the next two years he does quite successfully. Um, and he introduces aspects of uh, a new kind of parallel system um, of decision-making uh, and um, policy execution, which is designed to undermine the previous um, bureaucratic and uh, quasi-democratic processes of uh, the later Weimar Germany. If you're studying Nazi Germany, perhaps uh, the best uh, series you can get for students are the uh, is the, the Nazism documentary readers by uh, Noakes and Pridham, and that's what we're looking at today. Now, Noakes and Pridham argue that within the Nazi political system, um, there were two main features: the personal dictatorship under the charismatic leadership of Adolf Hitler, which is uh, which means uh, a dictatorship where authority is derived not from the uh, tradition or from office, but from the personal uh, figure of Hitler himself and the relationship that Hitler had as a, a figure with, the, uh, with his supporters. Here we see the populist aspect of Nazism. What Hitler sought to do was to reach out beyond the uh, constraints and confines of government and connect directly with the people. Um, he believed himself as a racial populist 
to be the um, divine will of the German people, that history had kind of appointed him somehow in some sort of quasi-mystical process to be the interpreter of the wants of the, the German people. In addition to the figure of Hitler, um, Nazi Germany is also a one-party state. Um, the Nazi party had uh, supreme political authority in nearly every sphere of public, um, public life and administration. So that's our starting point, that, that politics in Nazi Germany based, were based around two poles, Führer and party. And that's how many Germans saw it. Uh, often when things didn't work out very well, um, attention uh, would be deflected away, or criticism would be deflected away from Hitler to the party. And Hitler was often seen as something distinct from the party, even though he was the leader of the Nazi party. People found it convenient to um, look to Hitler as a solution, and very often to criticise the party as a source of problems. This is um, quite a, a common uh, a common process. One of the points that Noakes and Pridham effectively uh, emphasise is the fact that the Nazi party claimed or demanded authority on all areas of uh, government and public life. Whether they had it or not is a different matter and a very uh, nuanced and complex debate. The extent of uh, it says here the extent to which the party achieved political power and influence varied very much according to both period and to circumstances. So, one of the ways in which we have to sort of shift away from our thinking about Nazi Germany is a very common way of thinking about Nazi Germany is that totalitarianism in Nazi Germany meant that every aspect of life was controlled. I mean, it was intended to be controlled, but not all dictatorships work like the well-oiled machines we assume that they are. Hitler's own personal power was, on paper, unlimited, but it faces a number of practical restrictions. There is, of course, the, uh, as far as uh, a lone autocrat goes, um, the impossibility of one individual um, actually knowing about the workings of every aspect of the state, let alone being able to influence all of them. And as we've previously said on many occasions, uh, Hitler is quite an indolent, idle, dare I say even lazy dictator uh, in the 1930s at the very least. He periodically intervenes decisively in certain matters, but in others, he, uh, in many others, he's disinterested in bureaucracy, he doesn't like having to sign paperwork. He doesn't see himself as the kind of bureaucratic dictator that Stalin is. Instead, he sees himself as an inspirational figure, a man who should enjoy his leisure time and who simply needs to announce his will to the German people and that the, it is when the people act in unison that change will occur. Hitler was one of those uh, dictators whereby a, such a degree of informality existed in the manner in which Hitler acquired his information and such a degree of chaos and contradiction existed that very often formal channels for informing Hitler of necessary stuff in the way in which all heads of state um, have. They have people uh, who work with them very closely to filter out uh, things that are less important, bring the real priority decisions so that they can be acted right away, and um, then 
fed back to civil servants who go and do the, the enacting. Um, this whole process for Hitler is really, really quite uh, chaotic. Uh, and it's, uh, there is a lot that historians are lacking in information about it, particularly because Hitler didn't like to do things formally and liked to do things often verbally and therefore secretly. When you look at the hierarchies within Nazi Germany and the things you, uh, and the various complicated uh, pictures of who had official positions, it's often quite misleading. As again, Noakes and Pridham point out, in a personal dictatorship such as Hitler's, the key to the acquisition and maintenance of power was the ability to persuade people that one was acting with the support of the dictator. The key to power, therefore, becomes access to Hitler, not simply as a means of securing influence over him, but as confirmation in the eyes of colleagues and rivals of one's own position within the regime. Therefore, titles only mean so much if you're not invited to the Berghof to see the Führer. Interestingly, in a primary source from um, uh, Karl Schmidt, who was a constitutional lawyer, and Ernst von Weizsäcker, State Secretary in the Foreign Ministry, it was pointed out that Hitler's chauffeurs became high dignitaries of the regime. They received the rank of Gutenführer, i.e. a general's rank. Uh, a Gau leader who had access to Hitler was politically more important than a Reich minister who did not see the head of state for years. Thus all concepts of a regulated and calculable distribution of responsibilities ceased to be applicable. It is this introduction of informality into the system uh, and a very personalised uh, rule. The source goes on. Hitler's personal position of power involved an immense claim to omnipotence, but also the claim of omniscience. His omnipotence existed to a large extent in fact, uh, was highly and, and in fact was highly effective. His omniscience, however, was purely fictitious. Hitler here, it's, it's argued, was indeed all powerful. But the idea that he's all seeing is uh, a fiction, one that I'm sure Hitler was happy to uh, propagate, but one which ultimately didn't exist. Information that was available to Hitler was sifted and selected. Um, he would have been unable to uh, do anything at all if he'd had to uh, do his own, uh, his own secretarial work. And so Hitler's decision-making was possible based on the information that was shown to him. So the, uh, the, the filters, the, the kind of the gatekeepers to Hitler are extremely important. The most uh, significant of those is Hans Heinrich Lammers. Access to Hitler is extremely difficult uh, for a number of reasons. Firstly, Hitler didn't like Berlin. Hitler had all sorts of strange obsessions about Berlin as this kind of cosmopolitan city that had been um, the centre of uh, some kind of cosmopolitanism. He thought it was, it was, uh, and he was right in thinking it was an extremely socialist city. It was Red Berlin, as it was referred to in the 20s and 30s, obviously after the purge of the communists in uh, February and March 1933. That comes to uh, an abrupt end. But he was, um, throughout the Weimar period, he had looked with disgust at the decadence and the um, vice in uh, Berlin as he saw it and he thought it had been sort of tainted by the Jews and all these kinds of things. And he believed that the, the soul 
of Germany existed in Bavaria. Um, so that's why he was at, uh, at Berchtesgaden, uh, his retreat, the Berghof, uh, so often. And that meant that it was difficult to see him. Um, there, it wasn't possible for government ministers just to turn up and speak to Hitler. You had to be invited. So you had to be one of the inner circle anyway. Um, there were no cabinet mini, uh, meetings. There wasn't a formalised system of government at uh, Berchtesgaden. Um, ministers might have to, have to spend months, perhaps even years, without any access to Hitler. Some um, chief um, significant figures within the Third Reich would um, leave their functionaries, their kind of underlings, uh, living in the town um, of Berchtesgaden and below the Berghof, um, uh, so that there would be uh, an opportunity at any time for them to ascend the mountain and see the Führer himself. And the trick was to be presenting the kinds of policy ideas that Hitler was going to be interested in. Hitler had a notoriously poor attention span and grew tired of uh, what he viewed as trivial issues very quickly. He didn't understand very much about economics, agriculture or other day-to-day -day matters of the running of the state. He was interested in architecture, he was interested in his position of, quite often an imaginary position, of being a, a striding European statesman, and he was interested in his notions of culture. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And this meant that his uh, ministers and various underlings would devise policies that they thought would get the, would be most likely to get them an open door, and would be most likely to get them an audience and influence, and therefore a greater power within the regime. After 1930, when the party had become uh, larger and far more successful. Um, it had uh, fought uh, successful elections. It had dramatically expanded its bureaucracy. Um, it had grown in order to cope with vast numbers of new members and to organise propaganda campaigns. This bureaucratic, uh, this uh, bureaucratic aspect to the party, the party's bureaucratic nature, didn't mean it was particularly well organised. 
it meant that it was there were large numbers of bureaucrats and and organisers. There's still all sorts of scope for institutional chaos in there, particularly because the party, despite its bureaucratisation, still um, revolved around the initial the initial figure of the charismatic leader. Really, it's not fascism or Nazism without that. The idea of the one leader leading the masses, inspired and able to see um, and understand the course of history in ways in which ordinary mortals cannot. These are some of the fundamental ideas behind all fascisms. And it was why, even as the party developed and evolved and got closer and closer to governing, that it wasn't going to leave behind this rather maverick, chaotic streak within it. And when this was applied to government, when government really becomes about charismatic leadership and a constant, ceaseless dynamism within um, Nazism, this is where you see policies come uh, become more and more radicalised, become sort of all kind of, kind of off the cuff. You, can, you only need to look at the Nuremberg Laws in 1935 to see the extent to which those were really hit the shooting from the hip. And the dramatic escalation of racial policy and um, the crises of international diplomacy that this brings with it are really essential products of fascism itself. All authority falls in the hands of the Führer, the Führer principle, the principle of leadership. Um, Hitler had hoped that this would filter down throughout the rest of society, so local Nazi parties uh, in uh, different parts of Germany would be led by little Führers, those who had the strength to seize power instead of asking for it to be given to them. This, in theory, is meant to create a simple, clear-cut, hierarchical structure where orders from on high are obeyed as they are in uh, the army without question. However, it doesn't. It doesn't create a simple system it, uh, because there's already a pre-existing system of government there and introducing an entirely new way of ordering society. And by the way, the previous existing system of government works extremely well. A German government by 1933 was perhaps the most, the most effective and best-functioning bureaucracy in the world. Hitler doesn't introduce order into the system, he introduces chaos. And he introduces chaos deliberately in order to undermine the functionings of government because it was a way of undermining rival uh, institutions and groups within government that might possibly challenge him, question him, or uh, try to overrule him. Hitler is not a supreme Führer in January 1933. He is an insecure, authoritarian um, chancellor who is transitioning towards a dictatorship. But in January 1933, he's not there. He hasn't got absolute power, and there is no, uh, it's not a given that he'll get it either. So the system of charismatic leadership is transferred um, like, like a kind of a virus, if you will, from the party to the state after January 1933. And it became the basis of the formulation of law uh, within the Nazi regime. In 1934, when the offices of, Führer, of um, Chancellor and President are merged into the role of Führer, um, this is what Noakes and Pridham refer to as a constitutional turning point. 
um, where the idea of Führer power was defined. Um, the theorist um, Ernst, Ernst Rudolf Huber says, and he was uh, a theorist of the Third Reich, constitutional theorist of the Third Reich, who said, the office of Führer has developed out of the National Socialist Movement. In its origins, it is not a state office. The fact must never be forgotten if one wishes to understand the current political and legal position of the Führer. The office of Führer has grown out of the movement uh, into the Reich, firstly through the Führer, taking over the authority of the Reich Chancellor, and then through his taking over the position of the head of state. Primary importance must be accorded to the position of Führer of the movement. It has absorbed the two highest functions of the political leadership of the Reich, and thereby created the new office of Führer of the nation and of the Reich. The position of Führer combines in itself all sovereign power of the Reich, all public power in the state, as in the movement, uh, as in the movement, is derived from the Führer power. If we wish to define political power in the Volkischreich correctly, we must not speak of state power, but of Führer power. For it is not the state as an impersonal entity which is the source of political power, but rather political power is given to the Führer as the executor of the nation's common will. Führer power is comprehensive and total, and it unites within itself all means of creative political activity. It embraces all spheres of national life. It includes all national comrades who are bound to the Führer in loyalty and obedience. Führer power is not restricted by safeguards and controls, by autonomous protected spheres and by vested individual rights, but rather it is free and independent, exclusive and unlimited. This is a fascinating document by a Nazi um, a member of the regime, where he says that the uh, when he says that the office of Führer is not a state office. It is something from the movement. It doesn't even refer to the party here. It refers to the movement as this kind of organic expression of uh, German will, um, and the uh, is, is this kind of entity from within the German people itself that has reached out and seized um, and kind of incorporated and assimilated the different offices of state and has suborned them to the notion of this, this kind of uh, idea of Führer, which means leader, which is this kind of highly romanticised notion of a, a figure in charge. And that it is... Uh, a, a, uh, an office which is far more sovereign than anything that the state can in, envisage of, in, sort of envisage uh, or, or, or represent. Hitler's absolute power is not, it does not come from a, a legal basis. It doesn't, it's not couched in um, rational legal terms. It's not a constitutional concept as Reich Chancellor and head of state were uh, created from uh, really originally the uh, the Bismarck Constitution of eighteen seventy one, which and the anything that is constitutional in its very nature has limitations in it. And in the second part of that uh, Huber um, statement, it points out that uh, Führer transcends all limitations and doesn't recognise any of them. Um, so the um, Instead of it being sort of uh, couched in bureaucratic and legalistic language, the notion of Führer 
is couched in highly romantic and uh, abstract and emotive terms as uh, a kind of an expression of Germanness itself and therefore it can know no boundaries because it comes, uh, it, it is pursuing, the, the, the office of Führer is pursuing a particular uh, imagined um, historical mission, a sort of a, a journey to a kind of a, a German res a sort of redemption um, an, eschatol an eschatology um, to the kind of the, the, the German end of history where Germany has resolved its crises. And the idea of Fuhrer is therefore um, a uniquely uh, Nazi one, or a uniquely um, fascist one anyway. You can see it uh, represented and sort of replicated in notions of the, the Duce in, uh, in Italy. But it's shows you one thing, or one of many things about Nazism, that uh, Nazism, whilst it uses the levers of uh, legality and legal systems, and sort of subordinates legal systems to its illegality, Nazism doesn't really recognise the legitimacy of law, of processes, of limits, of balances, of any aspects of the kind of the modern development of government uh, at all. Uh, instead, it views only one thing, race, as being uh, sacrosanct. And against race, there can be no argument. And if there is one um, appointed leader of the race, there can be no debate with that and no limitation on its power. Okay, well, this is a slightly shorter podcast today because we're focusing on just on one issue, the, the question of the Fuhrer. But we're going to come back and look a bit more at um, Nazism as, as we go on. Um, it's one of the other little themes. Um, I do recommend um, the Noakes and Pridham series. If you're still a student of Nazi Germany or you're just an armchair reader and you'd really like to understand Nazi Germany in depth, this, the Noakes and Pridham books, uh, you can find them, not the readers' series, there's about four of them. You can find them on uh, any... Uh, decent uh, bookshop website please always always do try to use an independent do try to use a, a uh, books and water bookshop if you're buying them um, and they're the kinds of things that uh, serious professional historians have in their arsenal of primary source documents on Nazi Germany okay so I'm going to sign off there um, if you caught the previous um, previous podcast I put out on hate speech um, it would be great if you can give me a feedback on that one so we can uh, make some decisions there. And also, if you can give us a good write-up on iTunes, it really, really does help the, uh, the podcast. Um, and do visit our Patreon page as well if you can find it. Thanks very much, and I'll catch you soon. All the best. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.